Hit it. Hit it. It's Sunday, January 23rd, 2022, and it is so groovy to be in the house yeah. of God today. Man, we just want to tell you today, even better than the song, that you got the real thing, baby. That this house has the real presence of God in it. You guys. You have the real thing, and as a matter of fact, that's even the title of today's sermon. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Come on. Yeah, that's right. We're telling you this morning that you guys got it. Pastor, I think that we need to get into scripture right now out of the gate before we get too crazy up here. I'm remembering a passage that Paul and Timothy wrote to the church in Corinth that directly encourages their body about how they, like you, had the real thing. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. As your pastors and God's fellow workers with you, we want to urge you, we want to charge you this morning that you have in fact received the real thing. We want to tell you that now is the time of God's favor upon us. That's right. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of ongoing supernatural transformation. Now, that's the real thing. That is the real thing right there, church. Are you grooving with us yet this morning? Now, verse 3 goes on to say, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Verse 4, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses. Church, it is commendable that we are in a time and we are in a season of sifting. And this time and this season, it requires great endurance because we have encountered troubles. Can you, anybody say amen? amen? We've encountered some hardships along the way. Somebody say amen. amen. And we've encountered some distresses, right? See, as your pastors, we want to personally commend you as we begin this sermon together. We see your great endurance, even through the difficulties and the gifting of the sifting that your father has so graciously blessed every one of us with. It is precisely because of these siftings that you have been proven to have received the real thing. And since you have the real thing, you can know for certain that others need what you have. Come on now. Church, it is important that we do something this morning. We need to open up our, our Bibles to Exodus chapter 40 because the Lord has spoken to us for this year. The Lord has been faithful to direct us into his will for this year. And because we have the real thing, we're going to see it accomplished in the house of God this year. Somebody say this year. This year. Let's refresh ourselves in what the Lord directed Moses to do in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 1. Everybody got the real thing as you're turning there? I got the real thing. Then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the covenant law in it and shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring the lampstand and set up its lamps. Now, guys, track with us for a moment here this morning. It's one thing to walk through the tabernacle, right? To, to pray and to walk through the tabernacle in prayer. 
But this passage in Exodus 40 is actually showing us the exact process to set up the tabernacle. Now, we all know how to walk through the tabernacle, but how do we exactly set it up, Pastor? See, the process of setting up the tabernacle. See, we haven't thought about that very much, have we? The idea of setting up the tabernacle. This process starts by putting first things first. It started by placing the Ark of the Testimony in its right place. You got to start with the real thing. And the very next thing to be accomplished after setting the Ark in its place is to bring in the table. We're starting from the ark and then we're moving to the table to set up the table and set out what belongs on the table. See, this is the design, the pattern that the Lord commanded Moses to follow. Now, we're trying to highlight here the difference between walking through the tabernacle and setting up the tabernacle. The purpose is, is that when you set up the tabernacle as your goal, that is how we set an atmosphere so that others can meet with God and be transformed in his presence. It's what your pastors try to do for you every Thursday and every Sunday that we meet together. We're setting up the tabernacle so that you guys can walk through it. Did you guys know that New Year's Eve, did you guys enjoy that powerful night together? Oh, yeah. Did you know that your pastors and elders on New Year's Eve We actually arranged that entire night together, like the tabernacle. We set up the night, starting with the gates of praise, and we ended in the Holy of Holies, and the Lord began to speak of us. That's amazing. We were standing in his throne room, and he spoke powerfully some directives for us and some prophecy this year that Pastor Wade's going to help us out with, because I think we need a refresher on that, don't we? Come on now. Anybody notice that we walked through the tabernacle on New Year's Eve? See, but that was the pattern and where we ended up was exactly with God speaking to us. And this is what he said. We have a slide for you. I'm just going to take a moment to read it to you. Even as I gave Moses the design for my tabernacle, so am I breathing upon you the design for my dwelling in you. And I spoke to my servant Moses and I told him, set the table in the holy place according to its arrangement. And so I'm saying to you, set the table in my presence according to the arrangement I am giving you. This is what the Lord prophesied, what he spoke to us. See, God instructed Moses, and he has instructed us, LCM. He's given us his commands. Now that the Ark of the Testimony is in its right place, the very next step that God is instructing us as a church to do is that We will set the table in his presence according to the arrangement that he is giving us. Somebody say, that's important. Out of all the things that God is doing, what he is giving us is clear direction. He's speaking to us in a way, and I know that I, for one, am not going to ignore what God is saying to me. And I know that you're not ignoring it either. See, God's instructions didn't end to us there. They didn't end to Moses, and they surely didn't end to us. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34. The second passage from Exodus 40 was this verse, 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Let's read part two of that New Year's Eve prophecy. And then I say to you, even as I said to him, so shall my glory cloud descend upon you. So that you shall not be able to do your own work. But my cloud shall envelop you. And you will be caught in my presence, says the Lord. I have given you my instruction. And I shall give you my anointing to carry it out. And my glory shall be great upon the earth. On New Year's Eve... Your pastors and your elders, we worked to set a table for you guys. Now you walked through it, and look how the glory of the Lord gave us this supernatural instruction. Church, we want to remind you that you have the ark in the tents of your home. That you have the supernatural template to be able to set the table for another family. 
and that he has promised you his anointing. Did you catch that? He's given us the instruction, and he will, he shall give you his anointing so that you can walk through the tabernacle of God together with the other families in this room. Come on now. Now is the day of that favor. Now is the time of our salvation, church. Now is the time for you to set the table because we are convinced that the Lord desires for you to participate and facilitate in your homes, in your very houses, the same glory that you have experienced in this house week after week. Come on, it's something special when the God of all creation speaks to you, and then there's something even more special about him speaking to all of us simultaneously. See, not only did we receive prophetic insight, we also were given a specific directive that came down straight from the heavens. It was given right at the end of our time together, and we want to show it to you on another slide. By the way, the reason that we're showing them to you on slides is so that you can either take a picture now, or you can download them after service so that you have the words of the Lord and his directives to us so that you might be able to carry them out. Amen? Look at this, the New Year's Eve directive. I believe that the Lord is giving the families here a directive. The Lord has shown you what belongs in the holy place. I think that they are the first three oaths of the one association. Those are the items in the holy place. I think that he has shown you how to operate in the holy place. I think that those are the five irreducible minimums. And in this schedule change this year, I'm asking that in the month of January, specifically, set a table in your house. Like a literal table. Like cook and set a table in your house. Like an actual table? Like an actual, non-metaphoric, but real life table that is in your home. With real food on it? With actual food. And invite another couple into your house. Arrange the table in your house as a holy place so that you will be doing exactly, somebody say exactly. Exactly. What you would do in a church service in LCM. I mean the same environment, the same scripture-rich environment. See, church, you. Somebody say me. Me. The families of LCM, you've been given the real thing with real instructions for the month of January specifically. And God is kind enough to even remind you of it today so that you can still succeed in faithful obedience to what he has said to us. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Pastor, I love that this directive says that the Lord himself has shown us what belongs in the holy place. This is amazing revelation. You ask yourself, what belongs in the holy place in our homes? These three oaths that we have here on the screen. The first one being, having tasted of the age to come, I will never fail to boldly advocate for the personal and corporate manifestations of his gifts. This is the first oath that belongs in the holy place at the physical table that you set up as you meet with other couples in this church. Amen. This member, this part of the holy place, you know, it reminds me of the very menorah of God's presence, his gifts that are there before us. These, these manifestation of the spiritual gifts that are there. Look at the second one that is on your screen. Having been adopted into the holy family, I will not rest until every nation in the world is represented before his throne. Amen. Come on. If you're thinking about parts of the holy place, that most important, that important factor of the golden altar that is there right before the throne, that is ever having incense rise before the Lord, that he might move upon the earth in perfect partnership with what he is calling us to do. This wow. second oath reminds me of the golden altar of incense in his presence because it's crying out for all of the nations in the world to be represented before his throne. Okay, so if that first oath, you saw the menorah, the manifestation of his gifts and advocating for it. If that second oath, you saw that golden altar of incense, the prayers that rise up before the throne for the salvation of the nations. In the third one, what do you think we're going to see? 
Let's read it. I will not be bribed, intimidated, or seduced away from the daily implementation of the undeniable truths of Scripture. Truths of the bread of the word that is on that table of his presence, also located in the holy place. Guys, when you're sitting in the holy place and you set that table in your home, these are the three things that belong inside of it. Just like the holy place of the very tabernacle or temple of God. Are y'all tracking with us today? These are truths that God has already given us. And that he is representing to us so that each and every man, it's not just someone else that is setting a table that you get to walk in and eat. The Lord is teaching us as a church how for you to set up the table in the holy place. He's showing you the items that belong there in the holy place. That was part of the prophetic instruction. And now that you know what belongs in the holy place, how do you learn to then operate within the holy place? It's one thing to have the items there, but now what do I do as I'm engaging with this holy place? I'm so glad that you asked that question. We have another slide for you. It is the one association irreducible minimums. The, the most basic form of how you're going to begin to interact with one another. Now today, we are not going to go over, and we're not going to read these, but this is what you should be doing. You should be like Jaron. You should be like Caleb. You should be taking some pictures of these irreducible minimums because this teaches us how to operate in right kind of shalom, in right unity, one with another. Whether it's a husband with a wife, or whether it's pastors with each other, or whether it's members of your family interacting with another family. This is the key of how to operate in the holy place. Man, I think, it's, I think that deserves a better response than what you just gave us. Amen. This is how you're going to operate in the holy place, church. You know what you need to do this afternoon when you're eating lunch with your family and other people? This evening when you're over at a pastor's house, when you are getting together, you need to talk through this actual list. You need to look at it. You need to begin to verbalize and begin to speak through it tonight during fellowship so that these irreducible minimums become part of how you operate in the holy place. Amen. Now this morning, we want to help you. We want to talk to you this morning about how you are going to set your table. Turn with us to Psalm chapter 23. We're going to start at the beginning in verse 1 together. That's a good idea. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's amazing what the Lord has been speaking to us as a church from Psalm 23. Something that we presume we know a lot about, and yet God keeps revealing layer after layer after layer for us as a church in these days to help us. We want to help you and peel back one of those layers right now. The we're going to have a slide here that helps you to see how Psalm 23 is actually formed in a chiastic structure. That means that as the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. We begin to see and focus our hearts in on the Lord. And then he, by verse 4, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We're walking through those darkest valleys. But you can fear no evil because God himself is with you. Then it moves to his rod and his staff comforting us. Man, it's almost like even in the time of sifting, his presence helps us. And then we get to the bottom of the chiastic structure, which is to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then we move on to him anointing our head with oil. And then our cup overflowing. 
Not just a little bit, but overflowing in goodness. And then it ends with the idea, with the concept that we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. That is a beautiful understanding of a chiastic structure seen here in Psalm 23. Guys, do you understand that the bottom of the chiasm, the point at which the whole psalm is pointing at, is setting a table? That is the purpose of, that is actually what Psalm 23, at its very core, it is the takeaway. Setting the table enables everything else to be able to happen in Psalm 23. You guys want to add another layer of revelation onto this psalm? Let's start at the bottom here. Setting the table. Not yet, nope. Setting the table at the bottom. That's what the chiasm is pointing at. Move up one, because you have the rod and the staff of God comforting you in your hand, you can be confident that your head will be anointed with oil. Because you are walking through the darkest valley and you are choosing to fear no evil and believe that God is with you, you can be confident that your cup is going to overflow exactly when it needs to. Because you know that the Lord is your shepherd and that you lack no good thing, you can be confident that you are going to ultimately dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is something that's going to be continue to settle in in our spirits here. I mean, think about where we are as a church right now and think about the other side of a chiastic structure that helps you to know exactly what the results of today are going to be. It's like the prophecy that came forth. He's given the instructions and he is going to cover us with his glory cloud. See, this is what the Lord is doing. But we have another level for you. Hold, hold, hold off, sound booth. Just hang on. I'm going to ask for it. We have another level that we want to do and we want to show you this next slide. Huh. We're going to keep the slide on the screen. We're going to talk through you through the verses, but we're going to leave the slide exactly where it is. Consider the very first. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's right. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He Lord. leads me besides quiet waters. You, he refreshes my soul. Amen. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. How many times have you read through this and you're thinking about you being the one lying down in the green pastures rather than the one who has allowed you to find that green pasture? See, these first three verses are not as much about us as they are about him. It's like the gates of praise. We're saying, you, Lord, you, you, you. We're looking at you, and we are praising you for what you have done in our lives. The tangible results of this infinite God that we can see. We lack nothing. That's right. He's the one that's leading and guiding and feeding and shepherding us. Man, this is a gates of praise it's almost like we can uh, remind ourselves that we actually have the real thing. Amen. Look at the first part of verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm most familiar with the NIV 84. The NIV 84 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That gives us a little bit more insight because it reminds us of the bronze altar where you are coming into direct contact with the shadow of death in your own life. And you're getting the opportunity to expose it, to bring it to the surface, and to bring it before the Lord in order to be burned up as you continue through the process. Come on, y'all should be, this should be moving your soul here today. Look at the next part of this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Man, that rod of discipline, that rod of sifting and rebuking and correcting, and his staff of encouragement and training in righteousness, both of these things put together, acting in perfect unity, comforts us. Do you know why? Because it causes us to see ourselves in the right way, because we are now walking in the right way. We are with the Lord, and he is with us. This is just like what we experience at the miracle of the labor each and every time that we arrive there. Now, verse 5 is special because there's three parts. And in verse 5, we are in the holy place, guys. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, check out this 70-sided gem that is the word of God. 
I love that when you turn the word of God around just a little bit, you get to see a whole new facet of beauty in it that you might not have seen before. This verse is about setting the table in the holy place, specifically about the table of his presence. This also correlates to our oath. I will not be bribed, intimidated, or seduced away from the daily implementation of the undeniable truths of Scripture. Look at the very next phrase in verse 5. We're still in verse 5. It says, you anoint my head with oil. Like the oil of the light of the menorah that is there. This correlates also, not only with the tabernacle here in Psalm 23, but it also correlates with the O's that we have. Having tasted of the age to come, I will never fail to boldly advocate for the personal and corporate manifestations of his gifts. See, God is walking us through this, and it's something beautiful, but it gets even better. You might not have known it, but you are anointed for those gifts and manifestations of his spirit. My cup overflows. That's beautiful. It's a cap of verse 5, and it's the final verse talking about the holy place. This is the altar of incense rising before the Lord. My cup overflows before God's presence. This reminded us of the last oath, having been adopted into the holy family. I will not rest until every nation in the world is represented before his throne. Then we get to verse 6. Well, I think it's really neat that verse 5 encapsulated everything that was in the holy place. All three parts of the holy place. Verse 6 says this, surely your goodness and love, your mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. Church, this is the moment that we've arrived in the holy of holies, in that throne room that God has set before us. See, this is what the Lord is speaking to us. Our great shepherd has caused us to lack nothing. Can somebody say amen to that? Yeah. Our great shepherd it's been, has been leading us. He's been tenderly speaking to us. He's been correcting us. He's been walking us through this process, and we are not in want. We lack nothing. I mean, we can see this even clearly in the sermons that have gone on. Let's just take this month. Okay. Let's take just this year. We want you to see something else about what the Lord has been doing to help you to be able to set the table. You got the real thing. God has already given you everything you need to be able to carry out his instructions. We want you to go over, we want to go over with you the last few sermons that we've had together. Okay, our first Sunday of 2022, the first Sunday sermon that we had, draw up the battle lines. Do you guys remember that sermon? The opening passage of the sermon was, in fact, Psalm 23, okay? The entire purpose of that message was about how the Lord, our shepherd, is preparing a table for us. He is drawing up the battle lines. He is putting us in battle formation, and he is deploying us. He's making us lie down in green pastures. He's leading us to quiet waters. He is refreshing our souls. He's guiding us along the right paths because it is his name that's on the line, Pastor. The next Sunday, which was, by the way, was just two weeks ago, was an incredible message from Pastor Eric and Pastor Matthew entitled, Sifting Sets the Table. Can y'all believe that was only two weeks ago? <laughs> These men also had Psalm 23 as one of the main texts wow. where we learned that we already had all we need. It's okay, we're, gonna, we're just going to take our time here for a second. Where we learned that we already have all that we need. See, we learned that the sifting in our lives identifies what has to be cut away. Man, I am still chewing on the, the depth of that word from two weeks ago. You already have what you need. The Lord is just sifting you to cut away the things so that you are continually transformed. And in that transformation, you then turn and help your brothers. You strengthen your brothers. See, our pastors put on full display how the Lord has already given us everything that we need. And how we should never fear the sifting. We should never fear the dark days or the dark valleys or the valley of the shadow of death because God himself is actually with us. Now, if you remember last Sunday, Judah and Justin brought down the house. Rather, 
they built up the house with the sermon old provision. We had our hearts set right in knowing that it is not a new command, a new weapon, new provision that we need. Rather, we need to be made new. Taking what we have already been given, what is already in your hand, through the sifting, through implementing what he has already given us, having the comfort of having a revival and a rebirth of that old provision. See, you already have what you need, church. You just need revival through and because of the sifting process. And that revival will provide the weapons that we need for tomorrow. Come on now. Speaking about old provision and how God makes it new. I just want to tell you, you don't even know how well prepared you are to set a table inside of your own houses. You have no idea. You don't even know you how good no God idea. Been. We're going to show you another layer for Psalm 23 just to help you out. Oh, draw up the battle lines, encouraged us that our king and commander is making us lie where he wants. He's leading us. He's refreshing us. He is guiding us right into the exact battles that he's claimed for us. Sifting sets the table, instructed us about the sifting that we are experiencing, how it's actually causing us to locate and sever that which does not belong so that we are continually transformed and prepared to do his work. Last week, during the message entitled Old Provision, it moved us to look at what we already have in our hand, as in the rod and the staff of God of provision wow. that he's already given to us. And wait a minute. And, and the, the message for this morning, what was that called again, Pastor? I, I don't. Do you remember the title for today's sermon? I'll just hit it. Hit it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Ain't nothing like the real thing, Because that's what you got. Come on. You got the real thing, Avambola. Come on now. Ain't nothing like the real thing is directing you toward the physical action of setting your table. We're talking about an actual table set up in your actual home where you engage with another couple. See, you engage these other couples through praise for the goodness of our king and how he draws up the battle lines and leads you so faithfully. You engage them through transparency about your own sifting and you spur them on through your own struggles and your own triumphs. See, you engage them through encouragement about who that couple is, how the Lord has made them and what you see that he is accomplishing in their lives. You engage them through your own interactions in the living and the enduring word of God. See, no one could have imagined the depth of beauty found in Psalm 23 for us in our day right now. We have at least one more level that we'd like to show you for you to be able to enjoy Psalm 23 just a little bit more before we move on. Y can y'all handle one more level here? See, I just want to remind you again, though, you have no idea how well prepared you are to set your table. Take a look at this. As we focus here on these two elements, see, we know that setting the table is the unparalleled truth of what Psalm 23 is all about. And you'll see on the screen highlighted for you in the red box, the sifting process that leads us to being able to set the table. Come on, church. You've been trying to set the table, or have you rather been trying to set the table without engaging in the sifting that is the very thing that equips you to set your table? We want to help you this morning with your perspective. We want to personally engage with some scriptures from Psalm, the 119th chapter, to show you how the sifting process has indeed set the table for you, even as we are setting, I'm sorry, <laughs> how the process has set the table for us, even as we are setting the table for you. Come on now. See, you wouldn't envision that it's the sifting that's required before you can get to setting the table except that's exactly what God is doing in our midst. 
he's showing us, and through Psalm 23, we see the process. As we engage in Psalm 119, let's all turn to Psalm 119 in verse 67, as my laptop freaks out. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 67 says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have obeyed your word. See, it would be so easy to point back to our initial salvation experience as we read this verse. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. To remember how afflicted we felt, how hopeless life was before the word of God entered in and started that supernatural transformation process. But no, this was not a one-time transaction. If 2022 has gone for you anything like it has gone for us so far, you've become even more intimate with this word, affliction. Now, the affliction in my own life, and I'm talking especially in this last week here, has sifted me, church. It's highlighted the fact that I'm not as patient in affliction as I thought that I once was. The affliction has indeed brought out an impatience and a harshness in me that needs to be sifted out and cut away from me. Did you hear that Pastor Nick was talking to you about this week? The affliction from this week? The affliction in my own life, especially in this last week, has sifted me. It's highlighted the fact that I am not compelled by Christ's love, that my intimacy with him is not what it must be. It was the affliction that actually caused a hunger that now helps me. It empowers me. It draws me closer to him so I can obey his word. It is the affliction that is moving and causing us to find these successes, to be able to obey. Look, find verse 92 with us to see what else the sifting does. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. <laughs> Perishing in my affliction this past week would have been a certainty. That's right. A sure thing. But praise God, I had faithful brothers who spoke life-giving speech to me, actual prophetic words to me, who helped the law of the Lord become my delight. Praise God. See, this entire process reminds me of a verse from Matthew 12 in verse 18, where he's saying, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Man, that's bringing life to me, pastor. If it wasn't for the affliction in my own life in the past seven days, I would never have been as desperate for the word of God as I was. And I would have never cried out to the Lord in that desperation. And I would not have encountered and interacted with verses such as Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Is that not bringing life to you like it brought life to me? Since you're still in Psalm 119, let's all look together at verse 71. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It's amazing what the word of God actually just says and does in us, isn't it? Now, you might not have walked in here with the warm, fuzzy feeling that the affliction that you experienced this week was good. But after engaging with our first two verses from Psalm 119 and coming to verse 71, aren't you overwhelmingly convinced to your core that your difficulties have been good for you? Thank you, Lord. Without the afflictions, you can't know, you can't understand just how sweet, just how life-giving, just how sustaining the Word of God actually is is for you. The affliction of last week, it was good. And the affliction of the week to come, church, it's also going to be so good. Remember, we are setting a physical table for another couple. And your coming afflictions of this week, well, 
They're the very thing that is going to propel you into the word of God. And this is, is the very thing that's going to give you the fresh bread that you will need for the table to be set. What Pastor Nick just gave you was really good. See, we all want to minister from a place of strength. We want to hide where we're weak. We want to show up being in the best, most perfect form ever, that we are on top of our game. But that is not how ministry works. It's not how ministry works. What happens is, is you are put into affliction. You cry out to God because now you start to learn that affliction is good for you, forcing you to cry out, and in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Man, that was a good verse this morning, Cody. And it's with what he strengthened you with that you then minister to those who you have set a table for from your weakness, but his strength being made perfect in you, and then you minister. It's okay. It's okay. You'll know how right we are as you actually begin to set the table and learn this. We're just telling you ahead of time so that you can enjoy from God's presence and you don't freak out. You don't get discouraged. You don't want to quit because you're not in the most strong position. Of course you're not going to be. You're not going to feel well. You're not going to have your job go right before you invite someone over. But his affliction is so good for us. It actually gives you something from the heavens to be able to set on the table for your brothers and your sisters. Psalm 119, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that your laws, they're righteous. And in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. How do we know that the laws of the Lord are righteous? Well, the previous three passages from Psalm 119 have shown us, and in fact, this is what the entirety of Psalm 119 is all about. So let's say it a different way. It's in the affliction that we are cured of our strength. It is through the affliction that we're able to find delight because we're still here and we haven't perished. It is because of affliction that we are able to learn his decrees that are seen in our action, and that is good for me, and it is good for you. Our body is building itself up this year like never before. This is the direction. This is the promise that our great king has spoken over us. But what a faithful and righteous God that we serve, who is teaching us that affliction, it's necessary for us as a body to have the experiences that we need to build with. The affliction actually causes us to have the experience that we can in turn build with. That's the whole point. He's given us a direction and he's added the necessary affliction that we need to be able to accomplish that direction. What a faithful father that we have. And in his righteousness, he afflicts us. In his faithfulness, he afflicts us. Thank you, Lord. I mean, consider how the entirety of the Bible is written. Hebrews 11, where these men had their weakness How was their weakness, how was the weakness of the faithful ones throughout history turned into strength by the Lord? How do you think that those weaknesses were brought to the surface and exposed? It was through the affliction. This occurred as these great men and women of faith were challenged and brought to their actual breaking point. Have you felt challenged in this new year of 2022 specifically? There's been schedule changes. Man, we've thrown increase of responsibilities at you guys. Have these things brought you to the point where you feel like you cannot handle anymore? So what what comes out of you in those specific moments? Let us help you see some of these things that are brought out because of the affliction. How about fear of doing more? Yeah. Husbands who are feeling the burden of setting the table and having to get something from the heavens that not only their family, but another family is going to see. How about the wives who are burdened with doing more? Uh 
Wives who are burdened with doing more in order to actually reflect their husband and follow the direction that is going on. Oh, pastor, I'm not burdened with it. I just try to convince my husband to do everything else to take away this feeling of burden. Can we change what we've already agreed to? I mean, I know our whole group just decided to do something, but before we get to that meeting, can we go ahead and change it to make it easier on me as the wife? Come on. How about the single men and women in this room who are just straight up burdened with the fear of doing more than you ever have? No, pastor. These men and women of God... They've got the real thing this oh, morning. Yeah, they do. Husbands, listen to me. You have the real thing. You've got the real prophetic insight to set the table with divine substance. Receiving the heavenly bread, feeding your family and feeding other families with what God has given you. Hey, wives, you have the real thing. You have the real divine enablement to powerfully easier your husband's vision. You, you get the privilege of helping him to set the table. I mean, like, by you, yourself. Like, not assigning it to someone like you, yourself. You can actually do this. You can set an environment of hospitality. Listen, of joyful service. Come on. Through your diligence, you get to show that you have the real thing. Look up here, single men and women. Look at me in the eyes. You guys have the real thing. You have the supernatural ability to put your fleshly fears to death. Look at me. You can hear from the Lord. You do have the tools that you need to victoriously press forward. Knowing that the Lord himself has your future secure in the very palm of his hand. Come on. You know, some of the other things that come out through the sifting are fears of getting it wrong. Not having what you actually need in these transparent, up close, personal, kind of personal communication that you're going to have with these other families. So, 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 so let me get this straight. You aren't able to praise the goodness of your king and how he draws up the battle lines and leads you so faithfully? Of course you are. You have the real thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me get this straight. You aren't able to be transparent about your own sifting? You aren't able to spur others on through your own struggles and triumphs? Of course you are. You have the real thing. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that you, you, aren't able to encourage your brothers and sisters about who they are, how the Lord has made them, and what you can actually see that he is accomplishing in their lives? Of course you are. You have the real thing. Whoa, what? You guys? You guys aren't able to interact daily with the living and enduring word of God? You're not able to allow your daily afflictions to drive you toward a hunger and thirst for his fresh bread? Of course you are! You guys have the real thing, church! So, last one. What about, because I'm speaking from my own life and experiences this week, right? What about the frustrations? What about the short tempers? What about the short fuses? What about being short on patience in general? That's producing a lack of joy in what you're doing. Come on. Church, we even have some questions for you. They're going to empower you to handle these frustrations to conquer those short tempers, and to elevate your level of joy. Do you know that the Lord is your shepherd? That you lack nothing? Of Of course you do. You have the real thing. Do you know that when you walk through the darkest valley, even the valley of the shadow of death, that when you are sifted, that the Lord will be with you in the process? Of course you do. You have the real thing. Do you know that his rod of correction, his staff of encouragement will both 
act to comfort you? Of course you do. You have the real thing. Do you know that he is preparing a table for you and is leading you to set a table for others? Of, of course, course you, you do. do. You have the real thing. We are confident that you know these things. So we have a charge for you this morning. Do you have the faith for more? Do you have the faith for more in the house of God? Look at us. We're going to put a slide on the screen. It's another layer of Psalm 23 in our chiastic structure. Take a look at what we have here. You know you have the rod and the staff in your hand. But do you have the faith that he will anoint your head with oil? You know that he is with you when you walk through the darkest valleys. But do you have the faith that he will cause your cup to overflow at just the right time? <laughs> See, you know that he is your shepherd, leading, refreshing, guiding. But do you have the faith to know that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Let us read to you from a familiar slide in 2022. This is the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, in our even more amplified version. Now faith is the assurance of what really exists under any appearance. The confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof, the manifestation of the truth of the charge and the results of what will be reaped. Of things, the deeds that, we mu that must be done even though we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Let's begin back at the beginning of this passage, and we want to show you something. Now, faith is the assurance of what really exists under any appearance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things that we hope for. Church, real faith is having the unwavering conviction that his anointing oil will be poured out onto our heads at the moments that we need it the most. Especially when the outward appearance of things look bleak and totally contrary to that fact. That's when real faith rises within us. Let's continue in the verse. Being the proof, the manifestation of the truth of the charge and the results of what will be reaped. Church, real faith is having the unwavering conviction that even in the very darkest of valleys, your cup will overflow and you will reap the results of this manifestation of the real truth. It continues, of things, the deeds that must be done, even though we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. See, real faith is having the unwavering conviction that the deeds that you will accomplish now, the convictions that you are setting now, and the title deed that you hold in your hand now, that these will indeed propel you into the house of the Lord and the victorious eternal life that is to come. Come on, saints. Having this kind of unwavering faith and conviction, it inspires us to overcome without growing weary. And it gives us the assurance of victory. Read 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 with us. We're going to do it in the ESV as we near our close together this morning. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Amen. See, church, loving the Lord your God is not burdensome. Showing your love for God by keeping his commands, it's not burdensome. 
See, without these worldly burdens, you're free to run, you're free to fight, you're free to overcome the world and everything that it can possibly try to throw at you. Your faith gives you the strength to overcome, and overcoming leads you straight into victory. Church, this is a predictable pattern, and it does not fail. Faith is, in fact, the basis for everything that we do in the kingdom. With that truth, I have a question for you. Why do you feel the way that you feel? Why do you feel the pressure, the annoyance, the anxiety, the burden on your shoulders as you contemplate immediately putting the message, this message, into practice and setting your table? Turn with us to Malachi chapter 1 for our final scripture of the day and the answer to the why that I just posed. This is Malachi chapter 1, verse 11. My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled. The Lord's table is defiled. And its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. Church, the reality is this. When you feel burdened by the instruction, the direction, the directive, the command of the Lord to set your table and to set out what belongs on it, namely the heavenly supernatural bread, to feel burdened by this instruction is contemptible. Let's come into the reality this morning that it is not the Lord's table that's defiled. It's not the direction. It's not the encouragement. It's not the spirit-led task in itself that is defiled. It is your own fear of stretching out to more. It's your own fear of getting this whole thing wrong. It's your own fear of not having what you need in these intimate settings around the table. It's your own frustrations, your own short temper rising to the surface that are the defilement and that make the sacrifice contemptible. We want you to catch something here that this verse is clearly laying out. Sometimes the most contemptuous thing that you can do is bottle up your own faithlessness and turn, just simply turn your nose up at what is being required of you. <laughs> You're sniffing at it contemptuously. The Lord, as well as your pastors, though, are not willing to leave you unsifted in this faithless state this morning. Come on. He has given you his instructions, and he will give you his anointing to carry them out so that his glory will be great upon the whole earth. Stand with us, church. As our worship team gets ready and before we pray, I want you to know something. This altar, it's open to you this morning. This altar, it's open to you and your family this morning. The time is right now. Guys, we're in January, but January is quickly coming to an end. Our time is right now to embrace our afflictions, to see them as faithfulness, the faithfulness of our Father. The time is now to turn our fears and frustrations into real faith. The time is now to discover the hunger and the desperation that we need to plunge headlong into our task of setting the table. Pray with me. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us everything that we need and we are not in want. Father, we thank you that in the darkest valleys, you are still with us, mighty God. 
Lord, we thank you that we have your rod and your staff in our hands, mighty King. We've, we're equipped for this task, Lord God. Father, we repent this morning for attitudes, fears, and faithlessness, mighty King. Lord God, we trust that this sifting process will produce good fruit. And Father, we are looking and earnestly seeking you to be obedient to this directive that you've given us. Father, we thank you for what will be produced this morning, Lord, for life in your house, mighty God, and your body being built up the way that you always desired for it to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.